fun-filled episode of Rank and Review. This week, your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons and his guest Rick Fair are going to be discussing zombies. <sighs> it's been so long since we've discussed zombies, and uh, with a lot of these larger episodes that we've had around us, uh, it's sort of nice to be back in my comfort zone. I was able to uh, introduce a couple of really cool zombie movies to Rick, and I hope I can do the same for you. But... As you proceed, you must remember, there will be spoilers, there will be coarse language. So, let's get this episode out from the grave and shambling around. Thank you so much for listening to Rank and Review. Please send your feedback to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Winter has arrived. In spades. <laughs> in spades, it's true. And uh, I got Rick Fair back in my basement. And Howdy. Today I'm thrilled to say we're going to talk about zombies. Zombies. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had a zombie episode, and, and the podcast had been going through something of a drought in drama. <laughs> so uh, zombies are one of my favorite things. Ditto. We were just talking about how zombie fatigue is maybe setting in yep. in the rest of the world, but... Not me. Not, not in my heart, no. <laughs> no. no. Uh, I've been waiting for the zombie renaissance for so long to not just completely embrace it. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm on board with The Walking Dead, and if there's especially a big-budget zombie movie that's coming out, oh yeah, I'll see it. Definitely I'll see it. <laughs> did I see the final chapter of Resident Evil? Yes, I did. Hell yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> it got raked over the coals, but I, I, I enjoyed it. It's almost a sound-off movie. Yeah, it's, I, it's I, a send-off. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty. Yeah. But I've always loved zombie movies since I was a kid. But when I was a kid, it was more like, I liked the gore. And mm-hmm. I liked sort of like the cringe aspect of this and stuff. Uh, in a way, I liked what people mostly dismiss about it first. The longer I watched zombie movies, the more I saw more in them. Mm-hmm. The more I thought like, well, yeah, I mean... Frankenstein is scientific folly, and, and Dracula yeah. is sex and violence. The zombie is whatever you want it to be. Whatever you want it to be. And there's all kinds of social commentary intertwined in a lot of the zombie movies that are out there. Yeah. 
And in my opinion, it needs to have a little of that in order to be a, a real zombie movie. Especially in this day and age. Yes. Like, now that we do see so many zombie <clears throat> movies, you're going to have to bring something. You have to, yeah. And looking back at some of the old ones, uh, you could bring them back to this day and age, and it's totally appropriate. Yeah. Totally apt. Well, that's what I want to say about these movies that we're going to talk about today. Like... I like zombie movies, so generally speaking, I think I'm going to be more positive than negative, <laughs> but I like zombie yes. movies, right? So I'm sort of judging it from that. I might go the other way. I might be a little more hard, uh, on, it. hard on it, just because I love zombie movies so so <laughs> so much and the zombie genre in general that I'm pretty picky about right. what's enjoyable. Don't get me wrong. I'll watch a really bad zombie movie all day, any day, <laughs> but it uh, does mean I won't pick it apart. <laughs> well, that's the thing that the digital age has brought to me. When, when I rented movies or when I was you know first starting collecting movies, I was kind of of the opinion that... You start a movie, you see it through. Yeah. You see it through. No matter how stuff, maybe they'll pull it out in the background. <laughs> yeah. Now, with all these streaming services and all like the mm-hmm. sheer volume of independent horror movies that are out there, you, yeah, I you give just it, like, can't keep up. Yeah, There's no I, way. You can't keep up. And if oh. I'm like forty minutes into this hour and forty-five minute mm-hmm. movie and it's brutal, <laughs> I, <laughs> you'll I, tap out. I'll tap out. That's and respectable. I used to not do that. I used yeah. to be like. Try to find a way into this movie. Enjoy the bad. That's because the choices can. weren't as plentiful That's as they are now, man. Back then, you had you had to watch because you had nothing else. Early '90s, you know, I'd bump into a movie like Dead Alive or Cemetery Man, and I would just tell everybody, <laughs> yeah. you have to watch, watch these, these movies." Now, if you watch them today, they're kind of crude and like vulgar and weird. But when you're hungry for it's zombie like, cinema, and it's this is all gold, yeah. And I'll still defend both those movies, by the way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong. But uh, yeah, today, 2017. If you're gonna bring the zombies, you got to bring a, an added layer. Yeah. Uh, not all of these movies are obviously from 2017, mm-hmm. but we're going to be watching them from the perspective of 2017. Definitely. Is there anything you want to say before I lift off, list off these movies and we? Uh, no, let's get some fucking brain let's, eating, man. Let's, let's <laughs> All uh, right, the six zombie movies that Rick Fair and I are going to discuss today, we have from Canada, from Br- uh, Bruce McDonald, director of Hardcore Logo and many other things, Canadian, Pontypool. We have the zombie blockbuster starring Bradley Pitt, World War Z. We have Seventh Moon from the director of The Blair Witch Project. We have a real throwback. Uh, this is called The Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue. But it has a few other different titles that it's lived under. But but this yeah. case says The Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue. And uh, in case that's not British enough, we have a <laughs> British TV show <laughs> called Dead Set. And we will wrap things up with a Kiwi zombie comedy, sort of, called yeah, Last zombie, of the Living. Zombie-ish, yeah. I guess. It starts funny, and yeah. then I think they kind of lose it. But we'll, yeah. we'll get there. We'll get there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being here. Uh, Thanks for having me. Let's do it. This is Radio 660, The Beacon. I'm Grant Mazzy, and as always, I'll be taking no prisoners. And take a look outside. A big, cold, freaking kill me now weather front that'll last all day. We go to Ken Loney in the Sunshine Chopper. Ken. Ken? Are you there, Ken? The building has just exploded. Oh, my God! Ah! Hundreds of people are, are getting killed down there. Soldiers have set up roads. 
Everybody has to stay inside at all times. They cut into our signal. Okay, so Pontypool. Um, this is based off of a series of novels made written in Canada by Tony Burgess, not Anthony Burgess, not Anthony Burgess, Orange, but Tony Burgess. Yep. I had to look that up to make <laughs> um, sure. No, not the same dude. Yeah. It's an interesting series of books. I mean, um, it's almost pretentious zombies in a way. The type of zombie that we get into, and we'll talk about it more when we're talking about the movie. Uh, the the infection is inside our language, mm -hmm. so you hear too much people saying too much at once and you become a zombie mm -hmm. just by hearing the chatter of these strange zombies. What struck me about reading the book, which isn't in the movie necessarily because it's a low-budget movie, is that the zombies as described are very similar to what we are going to see when we talk about World War Z. Oh, okay. The way that they swarm or herd or they vomit out of the front window of a building. Like oh, it's really? It's almost one big moving, roiling mass. I haven't read the seems, book, so... They seem purposed somehow, right? Um, and it's interesting how World War Z kind of realized Pontypool instead of realizing World War Z. In <laughs> but getting back to this, what we have here is a Canadian zombie catastrophe. It's set in a small town of Pontypool with a new radio DJ who feels like he's really fallen from grace. Like that's in Ontario. For yeah, all you he's yeah he's he's recording this <clears throat> this radio local news school closings, mm -hmm. and he used to be a much bigger deal, and now he sort of has to eat it. And he just hates time. himself. <laughs> he hates himself. He's not very nice with the people that he's working with, but he is in the position where he's not only reporting on this zombie crisis, but unbeknownst to him, he's spreading it. Mm -hmm. Stephen McCaddy plays the main character. I think he's very strong in it. And I think from a technical standpoint, although I've always been a Bruce McDonald fan, this is one of his best directed films. So yes, I'm coming in a fan of Pontypool, but I would love to hear what Rick has to say. Well, coming in as a Pontypool virgin, I'd never actually seen the movie, which right. is a major oversight. And I've never actually read the book. Right. And the idea of a different kind of zombie virus, the zombie virus that we create ourselves just with our words, very interesting to me. And uh, super apt for today's day and age with the Ahead of fake time. news quotation air air quotes there absolutely the fake news like it's just you could throw that in right today and it would to totally fit the message is the problem mm -hmm. by trying to save people from the zombies they're making more zombies mm -hmm. <laughs> when we see that every day <laughs> all you gotta do is go on Twitter and yeah. Facebook man and they're just they're it's just crawling with the brain dead zombies spewing forth the things that they hear. Another interesting thing is is that because of the way it's written, it could be a stage play and has been a radio play. It has been done just as an auditory sort of performance. Oh, okay. So we're not going to see all of these swarms of zombies. <clears throat> we're going to hear descriptions of it mm -hmm. from people who are calling in. It's like that old uh, Eric Bogosian uh, stage play, Talk Radio, in a lot of ways, only... Uh, instead of the evil being, you know, racism or extremism, mm -hmm. the evil becomes this really strange mm -hmm. zombie epidemic. And I do think that's the hardest sell of the movie. I think that it's kind of more interesting in the movie and in the books because they can really dig in. Really it. dig in, yeah. So um, it makes a little bit more sense. But whereas I felt the 
the book sort of tipped towards pretentious at times. The movie never did for me. I didn't feel it pretentious at all. The tension works. Even I, though we see barely any violence, yeah. it's a scary movie. Mm-hmm. That means there's a talented filmmaker. Exactly. Yeah. You don't need to rely on showiness to, to tell a story. Uh, I think the, the fact that uh, the cure was also the disease like you cured the disease by words yes uh, when at the end where he's like kill his kiss kill his kiss kill his and kiss. he brings her back right yeah. i think that was very interesting and, and once again apt the only way to defend the brain dead zombies out on the twitter sphere and everything like that is to kill them with the word with the actual facts you can't right they get stuck repeating a certain mm-hmm. phrase yeah that's how that sort of starts being symptomatic mm-hmm. And then I go to, you know, like these social media platforms that just will keep reinforcing your belief system. Yep. If you click on Huffington Post, you'll get a bunch of Huffington, Huffington Post stuff. So if you click yep. on Fox News, you'll get a bunch of Fox News, right? You never see the other side because the interwebs tells you, this exactly. is what you like, this is what we're going to give you. So you get stuck in this talking jag, like, you know, uh, crazy is killing. Is killing crazy? Is kill crazy? Kill? Kill, kill like crazy. kind of stuck in this little loop. Yep. And then they just start repeating whatever they hear. Yeah. In order to get out of that loop, they'll just latch on to anything. <laughs> Literally anything. anything yeah. And again, the, the social commentary is, is pretty strong. Pretty strong, yeah. Um, if you think you're turning into a zombie, you will latch on to anything. You won't think about it because anything to not be a zombie, right? Yeah. It's not good decision making. <laughs> no. It's interesting how the Stephen McCaddy character just intuits the solution to this. Well, we have to stop talking in English. We have to talk baby <laughs> talk to each other in a way that we can understand what exactly, we're saying, yeah. but not using the actual language as intended. It's actually pretty smart the yeah. way the way it's done. Actually, the character is actually uh, written very intelligently. Uh, the way he has to figure it out, like you said, on his own, just yeah. from hearing stuff that people phoning in. That poor reporter out on the scene who gets. Yeah, uh, eyes. <laughs> yeah. Well, first he just yeah. describes everything, yeah. and we hear him falling apart and eventually mm-hmm. becoming one of the herd, as he refers to them. And uh, I like that this that we hear the story from other people. This sort of goes back to zombie cinema history too. Yeah. Uh, Night of the Living Dead. A lot of people forget how much of that movie they're crouching around a TV, watching the TV reports, or mm-hmm. listening to the radio, trying to figure out. What are we supposed What's to do? What's going on, yeah. What's happening and what do we do? Which is real. It's what you would do. That is exactly what you would do. 50 years ago, today, yeah. that is, that's what you do. But in a movie, that's that usually kills everything. So the fact that this is set in the basement at this radio station, at, at Ground Zero in Pontypool, Ontario, mm-hmm. where this is all happening... And you're getting all sorts of crazy theories. The BBC insists that it's... Right, the BBC. Yeah. Uh, it's the French separatists <laughs> that are doing all yeah, of Yeah, the French-Canadian separatists, like, yeah. We're pretty sure French separatists aren't biting people and, uh, you know, turning their dying corpses into wailing babies. I don't know. Have you met any French separatists? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know intimately some French, but that, that's, that, that's my cost to bear. <laughs> but... It's just interesting because you're desperate for any answer. So this must be the answer. That is the answer. You just grab onto whatever you can because that's all you have. And that's terrible reporting. Like someone's, if someone just thinks it's a bunch of French separatists out there, they're going to grab the old shotgun and walk out on the porch. Well, that's the whole mob mentality, right? That's whatever you see, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, I also like the relationship established between Stephen McCaddy and his producer. I can't remember the name of the I just remember her name. uh, it's interesting because they seem to have a lot of friction at the start of the movie because she, as far as she's concerned, he's a get because he was a big name yep. and now she, he's in her radio station. 
but he feels like he's slumming it. So as a result, he's beacon off. He's being a little harder on the radio than he maybe should be for a small town mm-hmm. audience. And he knows it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they butt heads. But what you see, the bonding, not just through the traumatic experience, is that that relationship, however catty, is built on a mutual respect. And I really liked seeing that. Like, at the beginning of the movie, they don't... They like each other, but they're not yeah. getting along. Even, By the end of the yeah. movie, they're completely reliant on each other. Yeah. Even at the beginning, when they were there were conflict, you yeah. could definitely tell that... Uh, there was, like you said, a mutual respect between the two uh, times they hated each other, but there was always that uh, that that, Fine thre- line. that thread, yeah. right, that uh, keeps them going as a, in a relationship. And as you went went throughout the movie, you saw it develop more into into what it became. Uh, yeah, the character's name was Sydney Breyer, and Sydney, the actress okay. is Lisa Hulu. <clears throat> I hope I'm saying that right. The other character I wanted to talk about... The assistant? The assistant. Yes. Uh, Georgina <laughs> Riley. Uh, she kind of seems starstruck by the McCaddy character. Like, mm-hmm. this is big radio as far as she's concerned. Yep. She's stashing alcohol in the place for him. <laughs> she's also a combat veteran. Veteran. She's home from Afghanistan. So whenever he mentions her, like our local hero is in the office. Yep. And we don't get a lot of time with her, but because everybody likes her, we kind of like her. And seeing her turn turn is really troubling um, because she was just an earnestly nice person, a heroic person, and just slowly just watch her smashing her face face into the window. Yeah, Yeah, it's just the soundproof window glass that'll encase the 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 sound booth. Yeah, and uh, she just keeps on hitting her face again and and again again, and again and again, and she's getting more and more fucked up as a result. It's (laughs) so upsetting. You just want to go, please stop. Just stop, girl. Just go lay down. (laughs) Time out. Yeah. And it's really bad for her because they respond to sound. She can't hear them. Mm-hmm. She can only see them. And in a way, it's making it worse, worse. for her. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, again, just the sound, that hollow thong, thong, thong of her face. And the fact that he just has to sit there and watch. Because yeah. he has such an admiration and respect for her. Yeah. Right? Uh, there's a Dr. Mendez <clears throat> that shows up, played by Grant Almanac, another Canadian <laughs> actor. Um, he has the trickiest part of the movie. I think, because he is supposed to be the guy who intuits that it's carried through language. Okay. We know that his practice was demolished by these things and that he was at ground zero and escaped them somehow. But from that, him making the leap to this is how its virus is spreading. This is the early symptoms of the virus. These people are hunting us even before they realize they're hunting us. I don't know where he's got that information other than he's read the books. <laughs> right? Because he literally came from a, a, from a siege, basically, yeah. right? Because that, that his, his practice was the one under siege. And considering he ran from his destroyed practice, uh-huh. he seemed to be feeling the stakes less than Stephen McCaddy <laughs> and, and the Lisa Houle character. Well, in a, in a sense, he was more cut off than, yeah. than McCaddy was. Well, and McCaddy, for the first while, starts thinking that people are fucking with him. Mm-hmm. He like he doesn't really believe it, but he almost tries to flee the radio station. Like it's like, are you guys? <laughs> you guys are just messing. You're fucking with me, right? Yeah. Like this is a joke. This is all a big laugh. Ha ha ha! And I love the way he plays it off because you can tell he doesn't believe that what he's saying. Yep. But he just wants to run, which is again a very human human thing to do. <laughs> so I guess I'm saying I'm a big fan of Pontypool. Like. Uh, McDonald is a prolific filmmaker, but he's often made promises that he'll he's going to do more. There's mm-hmm. supposed to be 
Pontypool, Pontypool changes, and Pontypool changes everything, or so he says. <laughs> right. But it's been, what, 10 years since the first one came out. So this may be all we get out of the Pontypool cycle. And if, that, if, if that's, that's the, the case, case, then it ends on a high note. It really does. Yeah. It really does. Um, if you ever have the opportunity to watch Pontypool again, stay till after the f- credits are over. There's about a 15-second scene. That I do not understand. Oh, really? I didn't. <laughs> that I would love for somebody to puzzle out for. Oh, okay. Me. And uh, we don't have to go into it now, but I'll put that out there for the rank and review listeners as well. The last 15 second scene at the end of the post credits of Pontypool. What does it mean? <laughs> I'll have to look into that. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say about Pontypool? Uh, no, I think we covered it. Uh, I enjoyed it. Good Canadian movie, some good Canadian content. Always good. Gotta love the Canadian content. Totally. Different spin on the zombies. Very theatrical presentation, very good acting. And you don't need gore to make a good movie. No, it's solid as a rock. Does it live in a jungle? No. Oh. Is it really fast? No. Does it live on the Great Plains of Africa? No. Hey! What is going on? Hold on, guys. Eddie, be careful on the road. Get back in your car right now! Remain with your feet! Here's the thing. I mean, I love the book. Book was great. Love, love, love the book, which makes it hard to love the movie. Like right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. Like my question to Brad Pitt. I mean, obviously he wanted the rights because it would be. He thought it would be a big hit, and he was right. This is the largest grossing zombie movie in history. Period. Essentially, he was right. But carry on. I'll let you finish your thought. I don't understand getting in a bidding war. For the rights to World War Z, which he did with, I believe, Leonardo DiCaprio's film company. Oh, well, so was it? So if it wasn't okay. Brad Pitt, it was going to be Leo. Leo but okay. Brad brought more cash to the table. So they were basically like, they'd spent almost $50 million on the movie before they'd started to make the movie. Right? <laughs> and it obviously went through many permutations. They obviously decided they were going to go ambitious at scale. And someone thought, you know what would be cool? Let's change up the zombies. And after one change to the next change to the next, they made a fairly interesting upscale zombie movie, but they did not make World War Z. It was not World War Z. And if you're going to call your movie World War Z... You better bring some World War Z to it. You should do that. I could say that like on an A, B, and C, it's a completely adequate zombie movie, but Mm -hmm. I'm so pissed off that it's not World War Z. Yeah, exactly. That it kind of like there's this stinging quality... So upon revisiting it, I was trying to remove myself from that. Like, 
I remember before it was coming out, when you hear the announcements about it, I'm like, how are they going to do this? Is it going to be a faux documentary? Yeah, exactly. It's going to be segments. Uh, There's no like creep show type yeah. type deal thing, but with no real through line character in the book except for the interviewer, yeah. which would be a very passive character. Mm-hmm. I mean, I changes would have to be made because the story's not about him. It's I'm about... trying really hard to find isolated moments in the movie that I recognize from the book. <laughs> So I don't know if the beginning credits, maybe yeah. if the book had a beginning credits. <laughs> they didn't even want to do the ground patient zero thing. In I the know. Book, uh, they're swimming this village that has been drowned by a tsunami or something like that. I don't remember specifics. And one of the divers gets bit. He doesn't even know by what. And mm-hmm. he's patient zero. Yeah. But the movie won't even do that because they didn't want to blame China on the zombie right. epidemic. <laughs> Stupid, right? <laughs> yes, it was pretty ridiculous. So what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to say, if I hadn't read World War Z, and if World War Z, the novel, didn't exist, how does this show up? In that case, I think it's <clears throat> about it's about a C, C-minus movie with A-plus production value. The production value was... There's no denying the production value. Uh, it's this, a little computery for me at times. Yeah, this, but this ambition. The scenery was great. The overhead shots of uh, Jerusalem, mm-hmm. I believe it was, amazing shots with the walls, uh, the zomb- zombies climbing the walls. Yeah. Uh, plus, it depends on what school of thought you are with the with your zombie love, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm I'm a Romero zombie guy, right? Romero's trudge or zombies trudge. They yeah. don't bolt or run. And these guys were like supercharged. Yeah, like they didn't just run, man. They fucking Ram. Their closest ancillary is 28 Days Later mm-hmm. and the Rage Virus. The Rage Virus, which uh, is technically not zombie. But, well, anyway, that's for another day. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. if you get bit by one of these things, it's it's not a matter of hours or days. It's, it's like seconds. Yep. And they are super aggressive and fast. And I think because of the remake of Dawn of the Dead and 28 Days Later, that's just kind of where we're at with a lot of zombie movies. That's just the reality of it right now. Um, and it, it does up the stakes when these things are running at you full tilt, right? Run, well, it ups your stakes if you're, yeah. if you're being chased by one of them, yep. Um, but I think what you see there with those types of movies, the really aggressive, runny, bitey zombies, those movies want to scare you. Those slow-moving Romero zombies, that's when you get into some of the sort of social satire and some of the meat, yeah. meatier stuff because people have time to take a breath and deal with this world. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, Basically, the synopsis is uh, Brad Pitt is a retired military guy of some personal import. Like, uh, he's yeah. really connected. He's like he's got ends in everywhere, yeah, right? He could be as far up as some sort of Jason Bourne type figure. His exact what he did for the government is never really made clear, but he's the guy they go to to find ground zero of this crazy zombie outbreak mm-hmm. that's happening. <clears throat> that's what I'm going to say that World War Z does really well. Some of my favorite stuff in zombie movies is usually in the first half an hour when shit's just starting to fall Shit apart. Shit hits the fan, yeah. And, and and there's that time where people are like, "This will be okay, right? It's it's getting crazy, but they're gonna they're gonna yeah. harness this. They're yeah. gonna they're gonna yeah, they'll get it under control. It'll be yeah, fine. Absolutely. It'll be fine. The people in, in charge will get it under control. The powers that be, <laughs> and then the slow realization, the slow horrifying realization. Of, eh, that's I not think we're fucked. <laughs> And uh, really, that that scene in the middle of downtown where we see the zombies plowing through like all of these cars and all these collisions and all the panic. Because people, some of the top-down shots where you're seeing literally hundreds of people running away from hundreds of zombies. Great. The scale of the it. scale was amazing. Yes. Like on a big screen, I was like, "This is fun. This is awesome." It's 
Well, that's the thing, right? Because I went to the movie. Uh, I w- w- with movies that I know I'm going to see, I tend not to watch the trailers because right. I know I'm going to see it anyway. You don't need to sell me on it. Yeah. So I didn't watch any of the trailers for World War Z. Uh, I just wanted to go in blank, and see what happens, and it bore no resemblance to anything I thought was going to happen. Uh, it, it's impossible to, to shake it off. Too. No, you can't. Like, there's a sequence that takes place on an airplane, which shows an outbreak. Oh, geez, on the airplane time. scene, yeah. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> yes. But it's in the middle of a movie. It's just another chapter in this movie that, you know, mm-hmm. I almost feel like you could reshuffle all the scenes, and as long as you started in the same place and ended in the same place, that the movie would You'd be, be fine, completely yeah. fine. It's totally made of these little... Now he goes to this sequence, and on this rainy night, these military <laughs> yeah. blokes are going to try and bail him out. Yeah, and it's going to over here. Him. The doctors in the in uh, where where, where Wales, you land? I think they were in Wales. Wales. Yeah. yeah, doctors in Wales. He's got to search out the Wales. The detective stuff was him being the detective and trying to work it out. Yeah. was kind of interesting to me. How he got there? Yeah, maybe not so much. And to the film's credit, again, it does some pretty crazy shit, like mm-hmm. that plane crash. Should have killed everybody. <laughs> well, there, he's the only survivor. Come on. Well, besides the, the other, yeah. basically. Yeah. But yeah, the two people who we know survived that plane crash. <laughs> right. And right now, I'm kind of like, yeah, that's fucking stupid. But I tell you, when I was watching the movie, I just, it looked amazing. I yeah. bought it and I just went with it. Um, the, another thing, like, it's still a passable movie. It's sort of surprising is that because of how much they were fucking with it. Um, the main character from Lost, what's that actor's name? Uh, Need to get an assistant. Matthew Fox. Matthew Fox. Matthew okay. Fox. Okay, <clears throat> Matthew Fox had a major part in this movie. Apparently, while Brad Pitt was gallivanting around the world, his family was in risk of being kicked off the boat. The so bit. his yeah. wife ends up hooking up with Matthew Fox in order to buy her family safe passage on this boat, and there's some conflict between him and Brad Pitt as a result. <laughs> All edited out of the movie. And uh, you can see Matthew Fox in the scene where they're going on the rooftop. Another great sequence where the zombies are chasing them and they're getting on board this helicopter. And as Up the, helicopter, the flight of stairs, yeah. yeah, yeah. As the helicopter's flying away, the zombies are just carelessly running off the edge of yep. the building and falling to their doom. They, <laughs> <laughs> they don't give a fuck. They got the mindless zombie part right because, man, they were just bolting. But if you look, it's a blink and you miss it. Yeah, that's Matthew Fox. And he had a whole bunch to do with the movie. Gone. Oh, really? I did not know that. The entire ending in Wales with the refrigerator unit and mm-hmm. the zombie and finding not necessarily a cure, but a way so that if the zombies thought you were sick, they didn't want to eat you. Yeah, it gave, terminally it, it sick. It made you zombie-proof, mm-hmm. right? But all of that invented on the fly and reshot fairly shortly before the movie came out. This okay. movie shouldn't work. This movie shouldn't work at all. This should be like an enthusiastic thumbs down. But I can't say that it's a thumbs down review. It's big budget zombie. It's well executed. I I just wish it wasn't called World War Z. Yeah, if if I'm looking at it standing alone, it's a fun romp to be sure. It's a great movie to go to a theater to. I I can't give it an enthusiastic thumbs up mm-hmm. by any stretch. I don't know if I can give it a thumbs down, but I'll give it a sideways thumb. Yeah, well, maybe that's what I said. maybe I'll give him the finger. Give Brad Pitt the finger. How's that? I'm saying somewhere between a C and a C minus for yeah. me. But I don't know how much of that is the baggage I'm carrying into it. And it's further frustrating now. I feel like they've shat the bed so thoroughly that this world isn't World War Z. But because it made $500 million domestically or whatever, uh, a sequel's in the works. Of course. And And please let the sequel be the book. 
David Fincher. Oh, really? Has been tapped to direct it. Now, maybe he'll back out because he backs out of a lot of projects, uh-huh. but David Fincher directing a large scale zombie movie? That is fucking interesting to I, me. I'm in. <laughs> But again, would be World War Z two, <laughs> and is he gonna is he gonna take all the stuff that we've learned from this first book? Mm-hmm. Are terminally ill people immune? Are the zombies still gonna flock? Because in the books, I still pictured them as Romero sort of classic yeah. form zombies, where you stand in a line and just mow them down as they come marching yeah. down the road. And stuff that I want to see in the book. There's a whole sequence where a, a military post yep. stands their ground, and this wave after wave it's of exactly zombies the start, scene I was talking about. Right? Yep. And the, the zombies are piling up on each other and creating like a fucking hill. Zombie pile, yeah. And they're running out of bullets and they just have to keep going <laughs> and keep going. That would be an amazing scene. Right? There's a chapter where this uh, pilot has to jump jettison out of his uh, plane and he ends up walking and trying to communicate over a radio to get help to, for people to find him. And I just I remember reading the book thinking, oh, this would be a really great sequence in a zombie movie. Ter- Where is it? It'd be terrifying, right? right? <laughs> that would be absolutely terrifying. The potential is so great. And they spent millions of dollars getting it. So why isn't it on screen, <laughs> Rick? Why isn't it on screen? Yeah, I don't know. Because it doesn't sell to the masses, I guess. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. I, I'm also a fan of the author. Uh, his, he's the son. Max Brooks is yeah, the, son the son of Mel Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. And uh, our mutual friend Dorian went to Comic-Con in Calgary and Mm -hmm. saw him there. And she bought his book. She'd read my copy. Okay. And uh, so she asked him to sign it. And he asked who turned her on to his books. And she said my name. The guy took a poster off the wall, signed it, and asked her to give it to me. What? Get out of here. Yeah. So I love Max Brooks because of that. There was part of me that was had a built-in almost resentment of Max Brooks. It was like, oh, your daddy was Mel Brooks. Yeah. You get to do whatever you whatever want. Whatever you want. So you write World War Z, and you're not making another million dollars that you don't even fucking need. <laughs> no. Yeah, he's but had a couple turns, books. Yeah, he turns yeah. out to be a super decent guy on top of it. So I wanted this movie to be great. And it's not bad, but because it's not World War Z, mm-hmm. I, I don't like it as much as maybe I should. I initially had a very much... Initially, I had a very much hate on for Max Brooks because I thought he was responsible for the for the this. Movie. Yes. Oh, but then uh, you, so you watched the movie first. Yeah. Oh. Before I did. Well, no, I read the book first. Oh, okay. No, no, but I thought he was responsible for giving his seal of approval oh. for them doing this. But uh, afterwards, knowing that the rights were sold and that yeah. he had absolutely nothing to do with it, I'd be like, "All right, you, well, you get a pass for me this time." Because there's two schools of thought when you're <clears throat> serving a book adapted. You, you either just you know. You sign over the rights and say the book will always be the book, yeah, <laughs> and the movie will always be the movie. But I'll always have my book. Or if you're precious about it, you're precious about it, and you say, "I'm not going to sell the rights unless I know you're going to do this book." And obviously, Max Brooks just said, "Give me a check." Yeah. Well, he's not to the Stephen King point, right? Yeah. Stephen King's to a point where you can say, "I'm not giving away nothing," right? But that's the other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Stephen King will adapt his own books poorly. Poorly, yes. Right. That was the key word, because he should not be involved in his making of the movies. I will read his short stories. I will read his yeah. novels. His screenplay is pretty rocky. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think his adaptation of Pet Cemetery or arguably Cat's Eye is his finest hour as a screenplay writer. But, like, his version of The Shining, Shining is the awful. Stand, it, it, it felt edgeless, you know? But that's the trick in adaptation. Mm-hmm. So... It's a tough review for World War Z. I can't say don't watch it, but I'm I, not going to say don't watch it. But don't watch it with the 
thinking that it's going to be anything relative to the book. Don't let it color your perception of the book at all. The book is great, and the movie is all right. Yeah, it, look, separate entities. Just call World War Z, Brad Pitt saves the world, and you'll be fine. But as an adaptation, <laughs> a failure. As a zombie movie, it's all right. It's all right. Sanchez is the co-writer and director of this movie. He brought us a little film called The Blair Witch Project in 1999. Something tells me it did okay, if I remember correctly. He did another movie fairly recently called Exists about Bigfoot, which I thought was actually pretty strong. Oh, I didn't see that one. Um, Both of those are kind of in the found footage milieu. A lot of people have problems with that forced perspective stuff. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the found footage, but that's another story. A lot of people aren't. This is different, though. This movie isn't found footage. It's shot verite style. And that's sort of my largest complaint about the movie. The constant shaky camera, and because the environments are so dark, like, the presentation is difficult. Um, it's Amy Smart has recently got married. Her husband is from China. They're honeymooning in China. She's going to meet his family for the first time. And even though she's totally feeling a lot of, you know, <laughs> isolation, feeling like a fish out of water culturally, she's trying to put a bright face on it. She clearly loves her husband. Mm-hmm. They go to this festival of the seventh moon, which is a real festival. The, the seventh lunar month and the 14th day, the gates of hell are opened and dead beings can come upon the earth and people pay tributes to them. They leave out flowers or offerings. And like any other sort of religious tenets and beliefs, there are the extreme ends in there. The, the, yeah, not the so ends. extreme ends, yep. Uh, they go to this ghost celebration. They meet a nice guy, seems really friendly. He offers to give him a ride to meet her in-laws. And then gets hopelessly lost, it seems. It seems. Tells them that he's going to get out of the car, go to this local village and get some directions. And abandons them in the middle of nowhere. In China. Yeah. So that's bad enough. That scenario alone, it would be a really, really troubling scenario. That would be scary. And then these fucking crazy naked ghost creatures start showing up and chasing them. I like the idea of using that festival. I like the fish out of water. I like the cultural stuff. Mm -hmm. It's the presentation that hurts the movie. For me. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth. The fact that it's constantly shaky and that it's so dark that it's disorienting. Sometimes you're not actually sure about Mm -hmm. what's happening. It's that fine line with the shaky cam. Paul Greengrass can usually get away with it in the Bourne movies. It's really shaky and like Mm -hmm. shocking and jarring, but you can still sort of understand the action that's happening. And then there's the other school of thought where the guy holding the camera shakes it a lot. (laughs) And that shake will make it intense. 
the story should make it intense. The shake should just be there to help it, not provide. An occasional intention. shake is yeah. fine, but a constant shake. And with a found footage movie, what a lot of people get frustrated is like they're constantly having the need to justify the camera, right? It's not even shake, it's jerking, right? Yeah. yeah. But there, and there's constantly that fight. Why are you filming this? Please turn off the camera. And everyone just gets super frustrated <laughs> with that. This actually bothers me more than found footage because it's shot like found footage, but it's not. Mm -hmm. It's like a documentary crew is following these people, but clearly in the reality of the world, there is no documentary crew following these people. Trying to, he's trying to marry the two film genre or uh, type filming types at the same time, and it just doesn't. Didn't and work. I get him trying stuff. <clears throat> like uh, I mean, found trying stuff made him famous, yeah. right? Power footage has been very good to him. Mm -hmm. And there are really good sequences. And I think that the story and the acting, particularly by Amy Smart, I have no beef with. But that presentation will shake a lot of people off. I'm a zombie connoisseur. I want to see around, my zombies. Yeah, I worked around that verite style and I found my way into the movie. But I have this feeling like a lot of people, maybe even most, won't. Uh, come from my perspective, uh, I'm the same way. I don't like the dark and the shaky camera. Mm -hmm. What you call it, the verite, right? Is style. That the style. Yeah. I'll t I'll take your word for it. I don't, <laughs> I don't know the cinematic references or anything like that. But uh, from my point of view, uh, I'm legally blind. Right. So it's hard enough already. It's, it's hard enough already. But when you start shaking a camera and do it dimly lit, and you only get flashes of what's going on, mm -hmm. uh, I don't see anything. I didn't like. A lot of the time, I was like, what the fuck happened there? What the, I had a hard time following it. Right. Uh, Story-wise, like you said, I love the culture, cultural stuff. I've been doing research into past cultures and how they view the dead and why the zombie is uh, a thread throughout every every civilization that has ever been. So right. I'm kind of doing some little research there. So the cultural stuff right I'm, up your alley, that is way. right up my alley. So the cultural stuff I really I really am really into. I just couldn't get into this one. Yeah. I had a hard time getting into this one. I think it was Amy Smart that brought me into it. It was she was my saving grace. Like I really locked in with her character. As mm. you uh, well, I'm a white <laughs> dude. I'm a white dude, and I can imagine feeling really kind of vulnerable in yeah. that environment nobody speaks my language everybody's being really polite to me but you don't have I'm no clue honest, I have no idea what these people are saying it's even me. beyond fish out of water yeah. right it, it's fish out of the atmosphere at that point point. and they're really friendly with this guy who puts them in this trap <laughs> like they like him and when they get out of the car and go to this village and realize that the village is it's boarded up and they can hear voices mm -hmm. of people inside the houses they are being ignored and they can see animals and plants being left outside as offerings. It's like, creepy. The writing is on the wall. Something fucking bad is going to happen. Yeah. And I really like that. Um, and the movie does sort of pull out this thing. I mean, we're going to go to spoiler territory. But I allow that in the podcast. Right. Uh, the villagers end up catching them instead of the creatures. Creatures, yeah. And they leave them bound to this tree. And they basically wake up surrounded by these <laughs> like, terrible, naked scrawny ghost weird really well realized dude. like yeah. they look creepy um and baby smart's husband basically begs them to take him and spare his wife and they do and you know what in any other movie that might well be the end of the movie and it might be satisfying mm -hmm. he was able to save his wife sacrifice uh, himself of the culture she, but it was yeah. her husband and her lover husband that actually saw her through it but the movie's not over then nope she's like 
fuck that. <laughs> I will not just sit here and allow my husband to sacrifice himself. And according to your very rituals, he's not even dead yet. They're mm-hmm. taking him back to turn him into one of you guys. So she, like, Sigourney Weaver's up. And she goes into this, you know, dark catacomb, catacomb yeah. to go find her man. And uh, she becomes super... Not that she was weak before, but she becomes unbelievably strong. Mm-hmm. And again, more <laughs> brave than I would be in that situation. Like, oh, I'd be gone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, And uh, I wouldn't feel good about it, but I would be out of there. Yeah. The catacomb scene, uh, that whole thing, I had a bit of a problem with. Uh, just because... It looked like it was ripped right out of House of a Thousand Corpses, the catacomb oh, yeah. scene, where they're underground. And uh, I thought Rob Zombie did it better. Yeah. So, and I'm sure he ripped it off from somebody else <laughs> because that's what he does. Uh, but I had a problem with that scene just for that reason, just because I've seen the scene before. It was done better. What but, I liked is the camera would calm down for that scene. Yes. Because I'm pretty sure they shot with natural light. Like, I'm pretty sure the candles what was what was giving the light. That was the light, the light yeah. And uh, the creatures were somewhat dormant at this point. So when she goes into the cave, she's actually walking past a bunch of them to mm-hmm. get to her husband. And they're just standing there, barely in the light. Really effective. And I've noticed that the cameras started to calm down. Mm-hmm. I had a similar, Amazingly, right? I, I, That's I when it got a, better. I took a hot wet shit on Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet on this podcast a while Ooh. ago. Um, and uh, I said in that movie that the camera was so kinetic and shaky and all over the place. And... The deeper into the movie, the more the camera actually calmed down and started to tell you the story. Just by that point, I was already pissed off. <laughs> a similar trajectory happens here. Like It's really, really jittery, but the camera starts to calm down towards the end of the movie. But I think a lot of people will have been bucked off by that point. I think what uh, might be my favorite part of the movie had really had nothing to do with the, the, the undead or anything. It was the scene where they're in that little shack with that other survivor. Right. The other guy who got... Uh, I can't remember what happened to him. They shunned him or they sent him out to be sacrificed. I think or he was like actually a local. Um, yeah. Usually they bring in strangers yeah. so that the locals don't have, have to, to pay to the be, price. Yeah. Right? That's why these two tourists were abandoned there. Yeah. Right? So that might have been my favorite scene where they're in the shack and they think, oh, okay, we're with another survivor. Now there's power in numbers. And the guy totally fucking... Oops, like, okay... Fuck you guys. Yeah. You guys can die. I'm out of here. <laughs> and he tries killing them, right? Yeah. If you guys die instead of me, that's really <laughs> that's, good for me. I'm okay with that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know you guys. We're not yeah. buds. <laughs> well, you want to put yourself in that situation. Which person would you be? You don't really know who you're going to be in a situation like that until you're in a situation like that, right? Would you be the brave person to, yeah. to build up? Or would you? Would I fucking put a knife in your back and send you out the door? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> who knows what you'll become in a given situation. Yeah. Like, nobody started their day thinking that they were going to wind up here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to go back to Eduardo Sanchez and found footage, I'm a defender of found footage. I understand why people find it frustrating and that there's a lot of repetitive elements to it. But my argument has always been this. There's a lot of bad slasher movies. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of bad monster movies. There's bad everything there's, movies. Yeah. But for some reason, found footage just gets dismissed. Oh, it's found footage? Fuck that movie. You know what? (laughs) You know what? There's a lot of really good found footage movies. And what you're trying to get with a movie is an emotional experience. And what found footage is good for is it gives... A visceral. 
Low-budget yeah. filmmakers need a chance to connect in a very emotional way with their audience. And if you do it well, you mm -hmm. can get that next project. And you can get your film career going. Exactly. So I can't hate found footage. Oh, <laughs> that's I okay. Won't hate found footage. Uh, I wouldn't say I hate found footage. I have an aversion to found footage. Right. Uh, probably just due to the fact of the visuals. And I have a hard time following mm -hmm. the visuals just because it's the nature of it. Yeah. Uh, Cloverdale, I like. Uh, I enjoy. Yeah. Oh, Cloverfield, thank you. Yeah. I, I enjoy Cloverfield, yeah. so I'm not averse to watching a found footage, found footage movie. I just don't find them as enjoyable. And I get that. And Wreck might have the same problem for you, but mm. I would point you towards the mm -hmm. Wreck franchise. Like, yeah, Wreck another one. Yeah, because people say they're sick of zombies and they're sick of found footage, and I say. Watch the rap Wreck. movies and then tell me that you're sick of zombies <laughs> and tell me that you're sick of found footage. You'll change your mind. Right? Yeah. There are good ones out there. Yeah, there's bad ones out there. I'm not going to sit here <laughs> and say that every found footage movie is great, but I get frustrated when people just dis dismiss it. And Eduardo Sanchez, because Blair Witch was so good to him, I think has been trying to sort of nurse the genre a little mm -hmm. bit. This wasn't quite found footage, and I think that, like I said, the aesthetic breaks the movie a little bit. But... Take a look at Exists if you feel like giving a found footage movie a try. And uh, have an honest shake at Blair Witch. I mean, I know that it's a love or hate experience for most people, Blair Witch Project, but as an experiential piece of horror, I really think it's strong. It's the, it's, it was genre-busting. Yeah. It definitely was. And like, love it or hate it, you can't argue its influence. Oh, definitely. I would so, never argue that. I wouldn't say I love it, but I would, I'm not a love-hate for, for, yeah. for Blair Witch in this case right. anyway. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty creepy at times, and uh, I just I'm just not a huge fan of the uh, found footage stuff. Yeah. That's that's all. And Eduardo Sanchez is a talent I think just worth, worth keeping an eye on. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can tell that he has a great imagination. He can clearly he make up, a movie. Yeah, yeah, he he made up the legend of the Blair Witch Project with his partner, mm -hmm. and that tells me he's got a good imagination. Um, I think the screenplay to Seventh. Uh, Seventh Moon. Moon is, is fairly strong. Again, it's the execution that hurts it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm really good with Exists. So. It's, it's got a solid foundation there. Yeah. I just think it just uh, fell short. I think if you're a zombie execution. fan, if you like zombie movies, it's worth a look. Mm -hmm. If you're a casual zombie fan, this might be one of the ones that you can You might want to pass. Fair enough? Yeah, I would say so. According to the back of the DVD box of The Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, it's also known as Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, which is a title that I have seen, and Don't Open the Window. <laughs> um, what's really interesting about this 1974 Italian production is how much it is sort of of that giallo set. Mm -hmm. I've said on the podcast before, you know, some people don't like found footage. <laughs> I have a real hard time with giallo stuff. Mario Bava, Dario Argento, people really, really embrace their movies. And I think for every good movie that those guys made, they made five shitty ones. <laughs> right? 
Uh, and there's something about the aesthetic of these movies. The colors are really bright, and the actors are usually filmed in Italian or their native language, and then it's redubbed Dubbed over in English. And I would honestly always rather just read subtitles, but there's, uh, there's a hill to get over. Yeah. There's a hill to get over right away from the very start of the movie. And if you can't get over that hill, then you're not going to like the movie. On top of that, you've got this very, very 70s uh, mentality, hippies, uh, the police inspector who is kind of quote a heroic figure, but is so disgusted by these <laughs> hippie bikers and their faggot clothes, yeah. I believe, as he says it. Yeah, I think so. You and your faggoty clothes. Yeah. And it's like it seems so far apart from where we are now that it's actually hard to connect to some of these characters. Like, it's interesting. Um, I'm gonna uh, go on the flip side of that. Right. As far as the the dubbing over the voices, uh, because of uh, my eyesight, right? I hate subtitles. Right. Loathe them. Right. Fair so enough. I'm okay. I'm well okay with the dubbing over of the mouths because typically I can't see the mouths move anyway. Right. So occasionally you'll be able to tell, like, uh, you know, that's doesn't match really well. But for the most part, I, I'm okay with the dubbing. I watch a lot of the Italian splatter fests from right. 70s and 80s, and it's all dubbed over, and I have no problems with that. And I don't mean to dismiss the entire genre. It's oh, just one of those things yeah. that I've never connected with as much as some of the other people. Um, and because of the climate of the 70s, we're at the end of the Vietnam War. Yep. So, uh, and there's some environmental stuff in here, which is actually kind of interesting. It's an environmental crisis, which has started this zombie epidemic. Social commentary once again. And at the, in 74, this mm -hmm. is ahead of the game, right? So there's a bunch of interesting stuff about the movie. It's Ray Lovelock is kind of like a, a, a really charming throwback kind <laughs> of character, like... This guy only could exist in 1974. 74, yeah. But in 1974, he is the man. <laughs> he is the man. I mean, put him, put him in nowadays, and he, I don't oh, even know is. what he would be at the, in these days. It just he wouldn't fish. You talked about fish out of water and Seventh Moon. He would be a fish out of water. <laughs> exactly. He would just not fit. But in this world, in 1974, he is the coolest motherfucker in the world. He's got a sex leather jacket. He's got a huge <laughs> 70s beard, wavy big hair. Yeah. And uh, he stops at a gas station. This girl. Dings up his motorbike and uh, he befriends her, although they're kind of catty with each other. They're, they, he, he just usurps her car. Yeah. He's like, I'm fucking driving. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay. And slowly he and she get mixed up in this resurrection of zombies. Mm -hmm. And um, because, well, the nature of the business, it doesn't really play out well for anybody. I mean, there's not a lot new about the movie from this perspective in 2017. But I will argue in 1974, I give them points for trying shit. Mm -hmm. It's all for me the aesthetic. If you can put up with watching an Italian Gigiallo movie from 1974 that's so 70s <laughs> that it actually hurts a little bit, then you might have some fun with this. Movie. I definitely have some fun with this. <laughs> I, the, it's I, a little bit of an uphill battle, yeah. but I think you can engage with it. But it's not for everyone. <laughs> no, this one is definitely not for everyone. You really need to be into your zombie movies to really enjoy this one. Uh, the the first half of the movie where they're going through the, uh, the fields and the colors and stuff like that. And they go to her house and there's the drug uh, uh, heroin addicted course, uh, yes. sister or whatever and her husband and... All that stuff I, I thought was great. Actually, <laughs> to be honest, the, the part where it kind of fell flat for me was the last third of the movie when they're actually, there's actually zombies 
running about. Right. Uh, the, the you lose the colors, everything becomes kind of grayscale, and you, it just it doesn't feel like alive anymore. There's a sort of uncertainty about the movie, even the vibe of the movie. If you're not even sure if it's winking at you. Mm-hmm. It's not quite showing you its hand. <laughs> But once it gets later in the movie, it's like, well, yes, we are a zombie movie, and this mm-hmm. is how zombie movies end, so mm-hmm. we're going to get This is how that. we're going to end it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I guess you could argue that it gets more conventional the deeper into yeah. the movie you get, yeah. but I don't necessarily think in a bad thing. It's a fine balance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I sound hypocritical. I need you to mix it up a bit. But, <laughs> yeah. But if you move too far to one side, then you start to lose me a Well, that's just bit. it. It just felt like it was there was a break. Right, yeah. right in the middle of the movie, like halfway, two thirds in, there just seemed to be there was this colorful part in the building the story, and all of a sudden there was this break, and then and then it just became a separate movie altogether. Yeah, and you're looking at this guy in his underwear crawling through a hospital. <laughs> Where'd that come from? And I think the impact spoiler of having our super cool '70s dude turn into a zombie <laughs> and see all of the life taken out of him. It's it's less impactful by how drawn out it is. Mm-hmm. We know where this is going. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you're like, you're like he's fucked. Yeah, yeah. and, and uh, just how slowly he walks in, and, and again that fucking dick police officer. <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> but becoming sort of a de facto hero, even yeah. though almost everything that comes out of his mouth is it's just spews garbage. Yeah, terrible. No, I love that guy. He was probably my favorite character in that movie. Yeah, charming, funny, but intentional. Mm. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I guess if we were entertained by it, who gives a shit? Yeah, forty-three <laughs> years later, nobody yeah. cares. <laughs> um, and the science fiction aspect of it again is interesting. Uh, they're putting radio waves into the earth to stop right. the insects. Right. Yes, the, the insects. Yeah. To stop the insects from wanting to eat the grass or whatever, mm-hmm. so that you know the, the farming, the agriculture will be all for the better. And uh, they're talking about how right now it's just in a small area, but little, we're, yeah. we're going to maximize this. We're going to we're going to put this everywhere. So we doom, doom, yeah. doom, 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 and we're like no, and they try to stop it. And like uh, Romero's Night of the Living Dead never even attempted to explain. There was some news report about a comet that had passed. Comet that passed. That maybe that's radiation the reason why, from but the comet. It's all just conjecture. They don't know. And most zombie movies just took that mm-hmm. and ran with it. Zombies are here. Let's not, let's just not deal with it because that's the reality of the situation. Give it credit; they tried to make an explanation, and it was a fairly salient one, at least in the world of it's zombies. In 1974, science <laughs> did something science should not have done, Fucking and the dead <laughs> and that's fine. Um, it's as credible an answer as you can get. That's the main reason they don't answer it in most zombie movies, is because what answer would we accept? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Oh, it's brain bugs. Sure. Oh, it's radiation. Sure. Oh, there was no more room in hell. Oh, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. You know. The point is, it doesn't matter. matter. You have to survive. It Mm -hmm. has to be an experiential thing. Because at that point, when you're trying to survive, it doesn't matter how how it started. You're just trying to make sure you don't get eaten. It's the uncertainty of the film that I I, I kind of find charming. That scene for scene, you honestly have no no idea idea what was going to happen. (laughs) And... uh, it's, it's fairly quick. It's like 96 minutes. It, it doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah. So I think that, like, take it as it is. It's a retro sort of Italian zombie feast. And uh, it's not as spattery and exploitive as a lot of them mm-hmm. are. 
a lot of them get really obsessed with the nudity and really like especially the Italians. Yeah, yeah. Or like just the the meat, the blood, yeah. and the teeth, and the 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 flesh. intestines yeah. getting. Yeah, they just they live for that. And you know, I sometimes I, I love Day of the Dead, and that's full mm-hmm. of that shit. But like. That's not what the movie is about for me, I guess, mm-hmm. is the dividing line. Yep. And with a lot of these Italian ones, that's what they're about. Mm-hmm. They're about showing some titties and about showing some guts. Slow motion eye punctures and shit like that. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> it's like they cut to the naked lady getting out of the bath and she hears a sound. And I know they're going to draw this out for 10 minutes. I'm going to see her tits and she's going to die awful. And I just wish I could fast forward to the point where yeah. the scene was done. They're going to rip open her stomach with her with their hands and pull out her intestines while she's wailing away. And then this is not that. But nope. the living, the, I mean, not that it doesn't have, you know, a little bit of sex and a little bit of violence, but it, it, it appropriate to the story. Mm-hmm. And the story is trying to be bigger than that. I appreciate the ambition of the film while recognizing that. It's for zombie aficionados. Definitely. It's, it's not for your uh, run-of-the-mill zombie moviegoer. If you just came into the zombie genre in the last five, ten years, you'd probably give it a pass. I'd like to believe, Rick, that somebody like would see that when this, this podcast pops up on the feed, mm-hmm. and they see, Living Death of the Manchester War? <laughs> Sweet! <laughs> I'm going to watch that! That sounds great! I am not naive. I guarantee you, like, 99% of the people who are listening to this have never fucking heard no. of this movie. You're like, huh? <laughs> what? Is it worth, you know, spending a lot of money on... No. no. <laughs> like, you can get it cheap, or if you find it on a streaming service and you feel like watching a 70s zombie movie... Hey, give her that. a go. Something to... Uh, late at night, you're laying on the sofa, throw her on, and if you fall asleep, you do, and if you don't, you don't. <laughs> it also raises the question, 74, so it's like 40 years old. 43 years old. Uh, like, movies... Like I'm, I'm a, I watch all, all sorts of movies. I'm a, I just ordered M. It's Fritz Lang. Mm. Like uh, yes, the serial one killer. Of, one of the older movies in my collection. So I have no problem with classic cinema, but I do think that it is about the 40, 45 year mark, where the difference in the zeitgeist and the culture mm-hmm. and everything becomes so dramatic that unless you were alive at the time that that movie was made, you don't get it. It's really hard to to get like when you watch a movie from the '30s and '40s where most of the cast were were, were pulled from the stage mm-hmm. and they're all performing for the end of the room, back of the room yeah. because they're projecting their voices because that's what actors do, <laughs> right? Uh, it seems painful and artificial, but that's how it was done. And you can watch movies that were made in that time that are very effective, mm-hmm. but you have to sort of climatize to it. And uh, that is something that, yeah, movies is, <laughs> that were made when I was born now are like the filmed <laughs> equivalent of golden oldies. Yeah. You know, they mean something to people who were there and less and less to people. It's hard for me to grasp that I'm in the golden oldies section yeah. now, right? Me too. Like, I don't want to hear Smells Like Teen Spirit playing in an elevator, but <laughs> I, I fucking will. That will <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have an instrumental version, there like toned go. down elevator music. Da, da, oh man, da, that's sad. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and so too with our movies. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there are some movies that rise above that. <laughs> this is not. No, it's not one, one of them, no. Grayson, Marky, and Pippa. Three little piggies. But who's going to be squealing all the way home tonight? <laughs> Someone's going out! My sound has gone down again. Where's Sophie? 
Anybody know where Sophie is? Hello? Oh my god, is that actually what Channel 4 is putting out? Yeah, why? is a actually was a mini series aired on the BBC in 2008 over Halloween week Monday night they played an hour Tuesday Wednesday Thursday they played a half an hour mm-hmm. if you add it all up it's about a two hour and 15 minute zombie give, movie yeah give or take yeah uh, Charlie Booker is the guy who put this one together he has since become very famous for his contribution to the Black Mirror series which I am a big fan of. It's As am like I. British Twilight Zone. But yeah, give it a, a watch. A little bit more teeth. Yeah. In the same way that British seems to have a little bit more edge to their humor and to the... the yeah, they the have a little thing. more edge to the Twilight Zone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I hadn't... Well, obviously I hadn't seen Black Mirror when this one came out, but I mean, I'm always on the hunt for something mm-hmm. relatively obscure. So, it was never really released on this side of the ocean. I had to find a region-free copy and get it to me, and I really, really wanted it to live up to the hype. Because it had a pretty hard thing to work against. As much as I love zombies, that's how much I hate reality TV. Oh, I'm 100% in agreement with you. I fucking hate it. hate reality TV. And this is about a zombie epidemic <laughs> that happens in London during the, screen, the taping of Big, Big Brother. Big Brother, yeah. But all of the people in the Big Brother house that are being filmed and broadcast live have no idea what's going that on. This zombie apocalypse is taking place, and that London's been emptied out, and <laughs> shit has hit the fan to a terrible degree. <laughs> um, and not funny, by the way. This is much closer to Twenty Eight Days Later than it is to Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. It is an aggressive and quite frightening zombie movie, and I can't endorse it enough. And the best compliment I can give it is, I know nothing about Big Brother, like I don't care about it, and I can't bring myself to start caring <laughs> about it. But by the end of the series, I understood the idea of the show, that they were basically getting voted off the island in the show. Right, and, the island uh, being the house. The island being the house, and uh, that it was being broadcast, even when the show wasn't being broadcast, you could go online and, and look at it look live at to see what they're on. doing. So all of their behavior is heightened because as far as they know, they're being watched by a television audience, but they're not being watched by a television audience. <laughs> There's great humor into the, in the movie as well, but never in a way to kill the stakes. No, it was not a zombie. No. So uh, it's, don't go in there looking for big laughs. There, so, there's a few there, but that's not what the movie's about. The first hour of the movie is set up, and the next hour and 15 minutes is some of the best zombie chaos that I've seen 
and it was made for the small screen, mm-hmm. and not a lot of people on this side of the ocean have seen it. So. I had never seen it until I, I watched it, and I'm very glad I did. <laughs> <laughs> so you're on the same page. I am on the same page, yeah. <laughs> Anytime I can watch some vapid, shallow fucking reality, contestants get fucking chewed on, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> but it was also really well made, well shot, well acted, mm-hmm. uh, great story. Uh, the producer, they they lots of good homages in this one to some of the Romero stuff. Yeah. The horrible producer who would sell sell you sell you out at drop of a dime. Andy uh, Nyman plays this guy okay. Patrick. Oh, he's, holy shit! <laughs> what a terrible man! <laughs> it was awesome, and just, uh, he gets chewed on. His guts get ripped out. I can't remember what he chanted, but it was along the refrain of the Day of the Dead, the the colonel. Choke on him! Choke on him! As he's getting ripped apart. (laughs) And then he gets his head ripped off, which was awesome scene. (laughs) For me, the first hour is set up, as I said, but at the end of that first hour, a zombie actually makes it into the house. And if we have a main character, it's this producer, Dick, takes out this zombie with a fire extinguisher. (laughs) Yes. And it is unreal. Like, (laughs) the spatter, the level of violence. And again, this was broadcast prime time, BBC. I mean, I I have such respect. It's crazy, right? (laughs) Like, Like Walking Dead owes them a favor. Owes owes them a debt of gratitude because I think they broke the... The, yeah, I was about to say that The Walking Dead's never been worse than that, but maybe they have. But still, this was a one shot, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they wanted to leave an impression. It was an amazing shot. The the look on the housegoers' faces when they see her just fucking go apeshit <laughs> on the zombie with a fire extinguisher. They looked absolutely horrified. Yeah, and... All doubt is extinguished. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> extinguished with the extinguisher. extinguisher. Oh, you don't think it's real? Yeah. Take a look at this. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a special effect. I just killed the fuck out of this guy. Right? And everybody's just sitting there. Like, Holy oh shit. my god. Um, the two people I want—you mentioned the first one, Patrick, the Andy Nyman character. Mm-hmm. But this other girl, Pippa, who he gets spends a good portion of the movie mm-hmm. locked in a separate sort of changing area. <laughs> She, she's Scottish. She's got this really charming accent. And she represents all that is empty and vacuous about like, a reality TV star. But here's the thing. I end up really liking Pippa. I, don't, I wouldn't say she redeemed herself per se, but... but she still kind of died of stupidity. Yeah. But Which was a fitting end for her, because, man... There's something weirdly endearing about, like... Uh, <laughs> Patrick telling you we've got to open up this door and I'm going to kill this zombie. <laughs> and she's like, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like it. it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> well, no, of course you don't like it, but it needs to get it done. And when he takes a shit in the room <laughs> after getting blasted and drunk, he's like, oh no. <laughs> That's how he convinces her to fight. He yeah. says, like, you don't want to stay in here this thing. Either we fight or we take turns pissing and shitting in this bin until we starve to yeah. death. <laughs> and that's where the comedy comes out. Yeah. It comes out of the situation. And they're not going, eh, eh. Yeah. And the fact that Patrick made a zinger didn't endear him to me at all. Mm-mm. I fucking hate him. He's such He's an asshole. So, he was such a bad person. But again, the zombie movies, it, it, maybe it's a cliche, you need that Cooper character, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you need characters that you like. The guy with the unfortunate name of Space. Space. <laughs> Uh, traveling the English countryside, he befriends this nice lady, and she ends up dying. And it, even though we only know her for like one of the five episodes, kind of sucks that she dies. Right? Yeah, it does. And I like the, the little—I wouldn't call it a side plot, but uh, little side stories going on. Yeah. Uh, he's trying to get to his girlfriend. Yeah. His girlfriend is cheating on him yeah. with some other guy inside the movie studio. He's unbeknownst to her, so he's risking his life to get to her. Yeah. When you're like, "Gosh, she's cheating on you, dude!" But you don't even hate her for cheating on no. him. And it's the classic horror journey, too. He, he travels all this way to be with her, and basically, as soon as he gets there, he's <laughs> fucked. Done. <laughs> uh, and no punches pulled anywhere in this movie. Like, nope. uh, we're spoiler-friendly thing, but, like, we keep on seeing these exterior shots of some television screens that are still on, that are still broadcasting the Big Brother house. Mm-hmm. And one of the last shots we have is the zombie of one of our main characters, staring at the camera <laughs> and a bunch of other zombies outside staring at her on the staring TV. At the, yep. Like, and there's something really, really strong about it. Well, there's the, there's the social commentary again, right? Absolutely. And it's there if you want it. If you want it's it. It's not in your face. It's not saying you're stupid and a zombie if you watch <laughs> reality television. No, it's not saying that, but... It's not not saying that either, <laughs> right? You can pull what you want from it. Um, and... I can't think of a weak performance. There was some cliche moments, but they were so well executed. Zombie that, movie tropes, so yeah. to speak. But yeah, um, people doing stupid things, like someone's bit, and uh, they stay with them, even though like they know they know. Yeah. Uh, the the most recent Alien movie. We're gonna sort of jump in the shark mm-hmm. a little bit here. Has sure. a scene where somebody's being about to erupt with an alien, and uh, his crewmate, not knowing what to do, just hugs him. <laughs> But what are you doing? She doesn't know she's in an alien movie. My issue with Dead Set is by that point... They, they knew, knew they, they were, were in a zombie, zombie movie. And he still stayed with that chick until she turned and bit him, right? But while I was watching the movie, I, I was just sorry for the character. It was like, that sucks, dude. <laughs> and uh, I liked everybody, even though they were, like I said, these vacuous reality TV yep. people. And I liked that this was a zombie movie that was being broadcast live for other zombies to watch. <laughs> like, there's, there's layers to this thing. Yeah, it's an, it's an onion. You can yeah. just peel back. You could watch this three times and take something uh, different out of it every single time. Um, so what I would say, to, for anyone listening, if you can get your hands on the dead set, uh, it is... Uh, what do they call this version of it? it it's the one-disc version of the, the collection. You can get it where it's on two discs or one. The one-disc version is region-free, although you said it wouldn't play on your Yeah, paper. what I had to do is I had to... It's actually on YouTube. The, oh, is the, it? The series, if you, if you want, you can find it on YouTube. Well, that's it's a even little, easier. It's, yeah, it's a little hard to hunt around, and it's it's in episodes, so it's episodic. So right. it doesn't. it's on one file shoot, so... Uh, I, I had a hard time trying to figure it out right. just because I thought I wasn't aware of Dead Set. I didn't right. know what it was. So it took me, I don't know, a couple hours before I realized it's a mini series, stupid. They're, yeah. they're in episodes. So. But that's the, the only problematic thing. And it's the one mm-hmm. thing that I'll take against the movie. Because it's just how it was aired. And it's how it was designed to air. And that's mm-hmm. not the problem. Uh, we get that first hour, which gets you really into the movie. And after that first hour, every 20 minutes, we get a little recap of what has happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
it's unfortunate that they structured the DVD that way because it really it, it pulls you out of it just for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just watch those scenes like I'm gonna watch the whole thing at once, right? Mm-hmm. I don't need this 20 minute recap or, or, or recap whatever it is. Minutes. Yeah, and uh, that's the thing. If you if you want to have an actual physical copy of it, that's the way you get it here. Okay, maybe YouTube has cut those out. I don't know, but it, my real point is that it's so worth finding it's not easy to get on this side of the ocean it's worth hunting for. if you like zombie <clears throat> movies this is such a good zombie movie the zombies are not romero they're much closer to the 28 days later aggressive runny zombies yeah i would say yeah but they're scary no weak links in the cast you have your cooper character you have your you know uh, uh, heroic characters mm-hmm. you have you know you know how things are going to play out i mean i guess I, you could argue that there's not a lot of surprises to be found I guess the surprise is that it was executed so good, <laughs> so well. Yeah, and it just made me wish, like, that they would allow, they would do this kind of Halloween stuff on this side of the ocean. Uh, uh, we'd fuck it up. We we would. Another <laughs> aside, and this is true of British television and American and Canadian television. But explain this to me, Rick. All right, <laughs> we can we can see someone's head be caved in with a fire extinguisher or a baseball bat. But if, uh, and in, in BBC, they were letting them swear quite mm-hmm. well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pippa gets called a cunt, a cunt. more than a few times. Uh, <laughs> but if we were to see a nipple, all hell would break loose. Like, I, society I would shut down. I don't fucking get it. Man. Like, it's, it's insane. I blame the church. Yeah. <laughs> I, blame, I blame society. And I mean, not that this movie particularly needed a lot of titty, but I mean, it's incredible. Incredibly violent. It's mm. incredibly vulgar. But nope. If there was an ass in this movie, if we saw some booby, nope. that would be over. That would be taking it somehow yeah. too far. And I will just I will I will never understand it. It's not for us to understand why. <laughs> just just deal. It's up to us to do or die. Please, please. Watch this. Yeah. Could be worse. Well, how do you figure that? Well, we got to live a lot longer than most of our friends. And think of all those hussies we've had the pleasure of being with. You mean you've been with? What are you talking about? You've been with heaps of hot chicks. I mean, granted, most of them had faces like drop pies, but they've been okay. Let's go for a run in the supermarket. Stretch legs. What do you want to run there? Actually, the exercise could do you good. Storage room, jackpot! Ah! My girlfriend! Hey, baby, what's up? Cool. No, an actual human, one that's going to save them, turn them back. Back into humans? It's possible. You want us to take you to the hospital with us, possibly hundreds, get one or two, kindly donate a sample of their blood, we'll all jump in a plane, fly to Stewart Island where your scientist buddy's got to cook up a cure and everything's back to normal. I mean, we're, uh, you know, we'll be saving the world, right? So last and maybe least, we'll, we'll discuss. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> last, we're going to talk about Last of the Living. It's a, a Kiwi zombie comedy, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that's what they were starting. I think with it doesn't anyway. take itself too seriously. Yeah. So I, I have a soft spot for New Zealand, generally speaking, but not just you know Peter Jackson and Lord of the Rings. Although mm-hmm. I like Wet and I like all of that, I just think they've give, had good luck with their zombie properties. If you have a chance to see a movie called Black Sheep about zombie sheep it's hilarious I really enjoyed that movie 
uh, of course, Dead Alive. Mm-hmm. Um, Dorian and I recently talked about a movie called Housebound that was okay. made there. I don't know Of course, that uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, hilarious. Lovely, lovely, we lovely just watched movie. it last night. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I, I like New Zealand and they've got this sort of weird crazy quality to them you can sort of tell that they're New Zealand pictures because they have this mm-hmm. alleged just, I just wanted to interject that they're, he's making another one it's about weird wolves oh yeah I heard it's, this it, yeah okay just making sure you did and he directed Thor, Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok Tycho no, whatever Tycho his last Kiki. name yeah very 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 Kiwi name yeah um, so this is a very low budget <laughs> version you know and it, the, I, I like the weird strangeness that the New Zealand films have. It sort of reminds me of what I like about low-budget, independent Canadian horror movies, mm-hmm. where it's just a little bit weirder or a little bit darker than you think maybe it should be. Just a little off. Just slightly off. Um, and I named a lot of great movies there, and to include Last of the Living in that company is not a fair <laughs> First off, what I'm going to say... I love the zombie genre, and I'm utterly sympathetic to somebody who's working on a micro-budget. And this is clearly the case here. They did not have very much money. This was clearly everybody's first film. So I'm going to hold this movie's hand a little bit. (laughs) Um, I take less issue with the production problems and with the the fact they didn't have maybe the money for Mm -hmm. the ambition of the project than I do with the tone. For me, it's because it starts off as a bunch of schlubs, almost like a big Lebowski kind of Like a of frat comedy. type of thing. They just, they're couch potatoes, they're, they're like, yeah, blase, whatever, and they have a few kind of charming, pithy zingers. Mm-hmm. But again, not ha-ha-ha-ha-ha, kind of like nod and smile type of humor. It's not uproarious, it's no. charming. It's like, ha-ha, you're ragging on them, that's funny. But juxtaposed against the <clears throat> stakes of a zombie apocalypse, and within the story they meet a woman who believes that she might be able to cure the zombie apocalypse the stakes never feel real at all no they're more into like going to the music store and and getting more the latest album that came out before the zombie apocalypse and there's things like you know there there doesn't seem to be any damage outside of the buildings the electricity is still on Mm -hmm. everything's very very cash (laughs) (laughs) it's very very cash and uh, I think this was just all production issues, right? They would have loved to shown us a po- post-apocalyptic New Zealand. Well, I'm sure they would have. They didn't have the money. They would have loved to have an A-list cast. Yeah, they got a plane. Yeah. Well, and that was probably <laughs> right? the big get. Of probably, the movie, yeah. That was probably they spent the big a lot get. of time filming that plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, way too much time filming that plane. <laughs> um, so, is it a great movie? No. I've seen a lot worse movies. But, I mean, it's in the company of a lot of much more interesting works. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I see in this movie is potential. And I just looked him up on the IMDb. This was made in 2008, and he hasn't really done anything of significance since. (laughs) So it was a good swing. I I think uh, I've seen a lot worse, you know, of these independent things. It's distributed by Echo Bridge, which is where independent movies kind of go to die. Mm -hmm. You'll, you'll you'll see their packages in like Walmart bins where they're like ten horror movies for yeah, five dollars. Right, yeah. Last of the Living would be in that, but it would probably be the best movie in that, in that set of bun- bundle. Yeah, but it's again fairly faint praise. So I'm uh, up and down on Last of the Living. I can't hate it, <laughs> but I can't recommend it. <laughs> All right. Well, I I think I enjoyed it more than you. Oh, okay. But but. Uh, for me, there's three kind of types of zombie movies for me. Right. There's the pre, 
post-apocalyptic when right. things just start hitting the fan. Right. There's holy shit, the shit's hitting the fan. Everyone's being eaten, and then there's the post. Right. And for me, the post is usually the more interest, most interesting part to me, because uh, one thing I like about horrors and it's particular Stephen King stuff is small groups together, uh, how they deal with the unbelievable situations, which is kind of like the, what this is, right? right. Uh, Whatever I don't remember what city where they're in, but whatever city they're in, it's it's empty. There's these yeah. three guys bouncing from house to house, and it makes you think, uh, yeah, what if I survived the zombie apocalypse? What would I be doing? Yeah, right. So, for me, that I found that very interesting. I really like the post zombie stuff. Uh, for the Romero stuff, Day of the Dead usually gets shit on the most. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Right, because I I love the they're in the bunker and small group. Dr. Frankenstein working on some shit. Yeah. And is it their best movie ever made? No, but it might be one of those. It's a great zombie movie. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's probably what I liked about Last of the Living. Right. Uh, Just because I like that part of the zombie time frame. Yeah. The after effects. It was full of plot holes and some of it made no sense, but. Well, I'll be honest, like, I rewatched it last night. Mm -hmm. I'd seen it before, but my memory. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, like, but like I'd seen it before preparing for this podcast. Mm-hmm. I ended up watching it twice because I didn't retain it. Right. <laughs> Selective memory loss, perhaps. Um, well, I just wanted to be able to talk cogently about it here. Um, and watching it again, especially so close together, I, again, I see them. I see what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. and I see how that could work, but it's not there. These these moments aren't earned. They just didn't have it. This guy is all obsessed with music, as we talked about, and he keeps on trying to give his demo tape (laughs) like he's still gonna have a career as a musician and when he gets bit and he sacrifices himself so that they can buy them time so they can escape they're trying to make this big moment of it and he hands her the tape and they give him a hug and it's just like flat you're not feeling it i get how this when you read it on the page or when you had it in your head sounds great this is going to be this really epic moment and people are going to be crying it's so sad and you're like all right she just doesn't quite land (laughs) it's like oh he's bit all right (laughs) right next unlike the plane yeah it just doesn't quite land um, Somehow they managed to land the plane. Uh, just, yeah. Anyway. One but. of the only surprises <laughs> I had in the movie, though, I will give to what happened on the plane. <laughs> they, they they managed to give this girl, who's the most badass of them all. Definitely. And, which is becoming increasingly more common in movies, and especially horror movies. The guys are all stupid, and there's one girl who has her poop in a group. Right? <laughs> that's it. That's it. Who's just seen her father <laughs> die, by the way. Yeah. They get in the plane, it's been harrowing, they've lost their buddy, they <clears> lay down and they sleep, they're going to fly up to this island, and uh, this d- dude wakes up, the guy who's unfortunately named Ash, which is hard not to connect to the I know, dead. right? And he also looks like uh, some, like a, a failed clone of Matt Stone, of Trey. Oh yeah, that makes sense, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. That makes sense. like yeah. a Kiwi version of Matt that's Stone. Where I, that's where I recognize him from, <laughs> like, I think I've seen this guy in somebody else, but I hadn't. <laughs> but it's interesting, because he spends the whole movie whining, he's like the bitch. He's the, the bitch movie. of the group, yeah. And he lives, he, he's the guy <laughs> who survives, well, he goes to a very uncertain future. Yeah. Um, but he wakes up on the plane and he goes to talk to the girl who's flying the plane and she's a zombie. Mm-hmm. She was bitten earlier. She she's like, I can do this. I got enough time to fly us I'll somewhere. get us there. And, and they're like, okay, I'm going to go to sleep then. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't buy the, I didn't 
They didn't know she was bit. I, I didn't get the impression. Did oh, I thought I got the impression that they knew because they figured it'd be because the way he walks up to her, he's just talking to her like he doesn't expect her to have changed. Which yeah, I know, which but was, that, that's why I had the problem with it because I'm pretty sure they knew before going yeah. on the plane that she was bit, and she's like, "No, I can do this because I'm the only one who can fly. Bit, we need it, to get this cure over to." It the didn't. Island. It didn't completely read, but I was not expecting her to have zombified. Oh, okay, I totally they, expected. They it, made so. a point of her being this heroic figure. I figured she was going to be the hero of the movie. She was going to drag these guys kicking and streaming into adulthood or whatever. Right. But then the movie comes to its conclusion. Everybody is dead except for this one guy, Ash, in this tiny rowboat. <laughs> and it took them several hours by plane to get to this island. So he's basically rowing into the middle of the ocean. Of, of where? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where are you rowing to? But at the beginning of the movie, like I said, we had this couch potato <laughs> vibe and all these guys who were more interested in collecting their music and, mm -hmm. and, and hoarding and, and enjoying in to some respect. And then to get to this place at the end of the movie where... Where they're trying to be save the world. And... They're trying to save the world and they fail and they go to this incredibly dark ending. It just... It didn't... Again, it They didn't... should have just stayed put. They yeah. were having a great time. Right? Yeah. There's a, they go around with their baseball bats, go shopping at the grocery store and yeah. kill any zombies that came around. Of course, the bitch of the, the show, Ash, yeah. had to get all suited up and stuff, so, which made him a bit of a weenie. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they should have just stayed put. Fuck just the world. Other things is, it's, <laughs> we are in the age of The Walking Dead, so having a bunch of your friends look pale and stagger around as zombies <laughs> just doesn't quite do it. No. You know, you can swing a bat and add a sound effect and the zombie can fall down, but in this day and age, we're expecting to see the red. That's yeah. what we expect out of a zombie movie. Especially in a much. movie like this, where there's so, there's really not that many no. zombies in the movie. Probably, once again, probably a production thing. Yeah. It costs a lot but of money. But when you right? have them, you got to pay. You it. better pay off with some splatter. Yeah. And they don't. But they don't suck either. It's no. the th that's the really frustrating thing. It's one of those really frustrating movies. Like, some movies are just bad and they piss me off. <laughs> and this one makes me frustrated because it's close to being good. Like, mm -hmm. you can see the good movie there, you can see how the script is pretty salient. They're, they're new actors, and they didn't have the time or money to do a lot of takes, so some scenes are stronger than others. Mm -hmm. The humor is charming, but it's sort Not of like funny. that sort it, of shrugging, yeah. whimsical, British New Zealand type of humor. Yeah. It's not ha-ha-ha-ha. It won't make you laugh out loud the way Zombieland or Shaun yeah. of the Dead will. It they didn't just... take themselves too seriously, but they, did, they took themselves a little too seriously. They started they, off yeah. kind of whimsical, and they ended hella dark. Yeah. And they didn't earn it. Right? Yeah. And it wasn't like this slow twist, like the movie went from here to there and we didn't see it coming. But no, you saw everything coming. You saw every yeah. step painstakingly mapped out. But I, I give know. them a tip of the cap for the effort, though. I hey. want to like the movie. I like New Zealand filmmakers. I like that they're micro-budget. I like that they tried to make a zombie movie, and I like that it's almost there. But it's tough to recommend. The, t the acting wasn't terrible. No. Like, it wasn't great. But and it was, it was clearly who was available. Like the, mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the co-screenwriters plays Ash. Like he's yeah. one of the main characters, yeah. and he co-wrote the script. <clears throat> and uh, you know, I, I can I can relate to wearing multiple hats and how how truly difficult mm -hmm. it is to make a micro-budget movie. Like my heart goes out to them. I wish I could be saying that this is the one that pulled it out. But what I see <laughs> here is, is, is potential. It's not a Blair Witch where they used their micro-budget and made it into something that was worth a million bucks. Mm -hmm. To me, it was like they made a micro-budget film that was good for a micro-budget film. And I would love to see what they could do. It was great a for a film class. Yeah. Right? It does feel like a student film. Mm -hmm. That's actually probably a fair answer. Mm -hmm. Like, that's my, That was my initial thought. 
Yeah. It was a couple of university kids making a student film. And so. on that level, hey, it's, it's fine. <laughs> but if you're going to compare it to these other movies that we've been watching, it's it's not going to rank high. Not for me. I guess we'll find we'll out. We'll find out. Is there anything else you want to say about The Last of the Living? I probably wouldn't recommend it, but for me, I, it was okay for me. So. I know, I know, like, for a month I was just, just leading you on. Oh, you got to record this podcast. Well, it took me, like, six months to watch the movies to get back to you. Like, oh, sorry, I still have your fucking movies. But I, I felt like, you. like, every week for, like, four weeks in a row, I was like, <laughs> we got to record this podcast, dude, and then I wouldn't get back to you. <laughs> or, or, like, uh, as soon as my schedule opens up, I'll let you know, and then my schedule would continue open up. <laughs> and not to open up. So, I really appreciate you doing this, and I really appreciate you doing zombies with me. Because oh, I love zombies. You're a zombie guy. I'm a zombie guy. We'd get into it. Another, someone who's resistant to it, this would have been an uphill battle. <laughs> so, I am very interested to hear, what was your least favorite of these six zombie pictures? All right. This is a <coughs> controversial one. All right. My least favorite, World War Z. Nice. Wow. <laughs> All right. Just, uh, just for the sake of the fact that it was not movie I wanted right it was the movie itself was production value good acting good Brad Pitt saves the roles la di da di da it's not what I wanted the movie to be so it gets ranked lots okay yourself <laughs> do you want to do we want to pass it back and forth are we going to do that or I can do that typically I, I like my oh, okay yeah well, I'll, okay I'll, sure no the problem. idea is if we line up uh we get a prize but oh I don't think we're gonna up. line up <laughs> no so we can do it however you want all right uh, number five for me, Seventh Moon. Okay. Um, good idea. Probably a good storyline. Uh, I just had a hard time watching it just because of the style. Yeah. And, it's a dark, shaky movie. Yeah. Together. And I just couldn't get into it. And a lot of the a lot of the stuff that I saw in the movie, I saw done better somewhere else. So right. that's the only reason it's ranked number five for me. <clears throat> Fair enough. Uh, number four, Last of the Living, the one we just touched on. Uh, I thought it was okay for like a student film, right? For what it is. For, it is okay for what it is, exactly. So uh, that's number four for me. I don't really have much else to say. Fair enough. <laughs> number three, Living Dead at Manchester Moore. Wow. Uh, really enjoyed the first half, two-thirds of the movie. Fell away at the I end. Petered out. Yeah. Petered out at the end. It wasn't what I wanted it to be. I thought it was going to be a little, uh, a little different, but it ended up being the same with uh, probably... A much less gore, which I was okay with, but I would have been okay with a little more gore in that one. But right. I thought the first two thirds of the movie was wonderfully shot. Uh, loved the cop character. Yeah, yeah. Number two, Pontypool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great uh, take on on uh, the social commentary of the zombies. Words making you into mindless zombies, which is 
terribly appropriate nowadays. Yeah. They're ahead of its time. Way ahead of its time. And number one, Dead Set. Nice. How can you not like uh, vapid fucking shallow <laughs> characters getting eaten? Reality TV stars versus zombies. Exactly. Zombies, zombies win. <laughs> Love it. It was like made to please me. <laughs> the mindless zombies beat the mindless zombies. So that's well, my list. Uh, it's a solid list. I mean, I, I'm not going to fight you on it necessarily. We have pretty different lists. Mm. Though. We have pretty different lists. We're not going zero for six. We're not going six for six. <laughs> no prizes this time, but if you come back again one of these days, you what? might win. Huh? We, we, have, we have very similar tastes, so eventually it might happen. Um, so, uncharitably, I guess, I put Last of the Living in last place. Oh, that's hard, man. Um, here's the thing. Like like I said when, during the review, it's their first time making a movie, mm-hmm. and they don't have any money. So it would be kind of weird that it, if it ranked super high on the list. And <laughs> like four? <laughs> placing it last place isn't even me saying that it's terrible. It's just not quite up to par what I would call like a real mainstream movie release. It's still in the area of student film, micro-budget film. And if you can watch a student film or a micro-budget film, this is a decent one mm-hmm. to watch. But it wants to be bigger than it is, and it's wonky in tone. And... I want to like it. Like like I said when we started that review, I just spent all this yeah. time saying how much I, I'm cheering for this movie. <laughs> yeah. So there we go. All the way in fifth place, I put The Living Dead at the Manchester Moor. Morgue, not Moor. Moor, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. That hey, also works, I guess. <laughs> um, I think that the audience for this movie is pretty small. And with each decade that goes it gets by, smaller it's and smaller. going to get smaller and smaller. <laughs> But for people who will like it, they'll probably like it a lot. Yeah. And if you were, you know, if you were watching movies around that time, I wasn't born in 74 yet. I was about to be introduced to the world, but um, it's all right. It's an interesting throwback, but we're in a zombie renaissance right now. And I think if you were to stack this up against your 28 Days Laters and against some of these other ones, it won't hold. It's not going to hold up as well. So it made it to fifth place. I think it's an interesting watch. You know, I would agree with that. So there. I don't think you're gonna like how high uh, World War Z ranked. <laughs> that's uh, all, all the way. That's in all right. Fourth place, I'm putting the Seventh Moon, and it really is the execution. I think that the script is solid. I think that the cast is solid. I like that they used a real tradition to to tell this scary story. Mm-hmm. I just hate the shaky cam, and I hate how dark some of those sequences are. Like, I don't, uh, I'm not legally blind. I'm not belittling <laughs> you. I'm just saying I'm not. No, no, it's all good, man. I'm not legally blind, and I had trouble making out some of the shit that right. was going on. And that is a mistake. You have to know where everybody is and what you're looking at, or mm-hmm. what is this. It's <clears> hurt <throat> by the shaky camera. You're not green grass. And if you're not doing a found footage movie, put the camera where it will best tell the story. That is the one thing that I really think hurt this movie because everything else I actually really quite like. Mm-hmm. Those creatures are spooky looking. The creatures were pretty well done. And uh, I like Amy Smart as an actress. She keeps showing up in, in horror movies that are so-so. Yeah. Like uh, The Butterfly Effect or Mirrors. But I always like her in it. Like, she's good. Yeah, she's <laughs> good. I got no problems with her. So, um, if you can handle the shaky camera, yeah. I say take a look at Seventh Moon. But if, if that's a problem for you... Beyond this point, do not pass. I respect your position on it. So somehow, all the way in third place, <laughs> I'm giving World War Z, and I, I think I, I knew you'd rank it higher. So for me, it's the big budget zombies. Mm-hmm. Like Mark Forster in presentation gave us some of the highest scale 
zombie footage that I've ever seen. That opening sequence in the middle of the downtown where, mm-hmm. where we're seeing hundreds of people swarming and running, the walled city, the airplane, like these isolated moments are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Strangely, all the isolated moments don't add up to an amazing movie, but those isolated moments are good enough that I would say, yes, it's worth a watch. The most- but don't walk away thinking that you know anything right. about World War Z, because you don't. The most interesting part for World War Z for me was when the credits were rolling <laughs> and I saw Peter Capaldi as Dr. WHO, World Health Organization. Yeah. This was before I became Dr. Who. That's so Dr. Right. Who, Dr. Who. <laughs> that was my revelation for the movie. I'm like, ah! Anyway. Well played, movie. Well, well played. played. In second place, and it was a near thing because I wanted to put Pontypool at number one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put Pontypool. Um, it's unlike any zombie movie you'll ever see. And how many zombie movies can you say that? Very few. Very few. Which is why it almost deserves to be at number one, but I'm not going to do it. It was really close. It was was really close, close. yeah. Um, Great acting, Canadian made, and proudly set in Canada. You see so many Canadian made movies. Set in America. They pretend to be in the States. No, set that shit in Canada. Own it. Be Canadian and be proudly Canadian. Mm -hmm. And because this is set in Canada, it does not hurt its entertainment value. If you were to watch this in America, I don't know how, like... Oh, yeah. it's a bunch of Canadians, so I don't care what's going <laughs> yeah, exactly. on. Exactly. No, if you give a shit about zombie cinema, it doesn't matter if no. they're Australian or if they're no. Kiwis or if they're Canadians, right? A good movie is a good movie. Just be Canadian. And they were, and it's a really, really good movie. Once again, if you have a chance to look at it again, that post credit scene. Somebody, somebody explain <laughs> I'm going to look it up as soon as I get home. <laughs> yeah, number one is, is Dead Set, which is yeah. interesting because... It doesn't break the mold. Like, we started this whole conversation <laughs> right. talking about how if you're going to do a zombie movie, you better bring something. And other than the, I guess, the fact that it's a live broadcast reality TV show, so they use some of the angles that you would see in watching mm-hmm. the Big Brother show, that's about it. Like, it's a fairly conventional zombie movie with fairly conventional zombie movie stuff executed perfectly. Mm-hmm. Perfectly. It comes out to about two hours and 20 minutes if you watch it all at once. And I do recommend you just watching it up. Breaking it up doesn't really do no. anything for it. It, it. It's a movie. And it <clears> is a <throat> fucking good zombie movie. Great movie. And it's one that I want to sell to the people. Out. Find it. Find, Find Dead it. Set. it. Dead Set is awesome. But with a close second to Pontypool. If you haven't seen Pontypool, it's very, 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 very worth your time. So... Well, our top two were the same. Top so. two were the same. Everything else is a little bit. We still love zombies, and we're not scrapping. Oh, of course not. I, I mean, of course I, not. I think the biggest disagreement was obviously World War Z. Obviously, but, uh, we both know where we stand. On yep. that. so definitely. I did it out of spite. <laughs> more than anything, so I'm a very spiteful man. Thank you, Rick. Is there anything you'd like to say to the people on the internets out there? To the people on the internet, uh, keep the love of the zombies going. Absolutely. If they stop making the zombie movies, I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> well. Like I say, the renaissance is starting to die down, but I keep on saying sooner or later you're going to get tired of superheroes, and that doesn't happen. Know, but but what happens was when the renaissance dies down, you, you end up back to quality, not quantity. Right. right? We're into quantity right now, last 10 years. Yeah. We'll, we'll revert back to people doing quality over yeah. quantity. I think that that's the same bubble that we're in with found footage, mm-hmm. because a single camera uh, perspective helps to make your film very affordable. (laughs) A lot of micro-budget filmmakers are trying to do found footage and people are just getting worn out on it. Well, you can make it on your phone nowadays, right? It's been done. Yeah. So, like, 
the the form is changing a little bit, but I say embrace it. Embrace it. If you can fight through a dozen bad zombie movies so that you can find dead set, then fight through a half dozen bad found footage to find that one that really works. Because they're out there. Because when they work, that's the thing about found footage. When they work, they're really good. When they, they're like comedies. Mm-hmm. It's like a comedy. If a comedy fails, it fails huge. Yeah. Right? There's nothing There's, worse than if, somebody saying, "Here's my laugh line." And, and crickets. then crickets. <laughs> like, yeah. And, like, and that's like someone jumping out and going boo and crickets. It's the same thing. At right? some point, we'll discuss the diary of the dead at some yeah. point in time. When it works, <laughs> it works. Yeah. And when it doesn't, it doesn't. But don't give up on the zombies and don't give up on found footage. And if you're bitchy about both of them, watch the Rep franchise and it will, it will cure you. It'll revitalize you. Thanks a bunch, bro. Yeah, no problem. And there it was, six zombie movies reviewed and ranked. Thank you so much for listening to Rank and Review. And if you're asking yourself, how can I help the show? And I hope you are. You can help the show by liking it on Facebook, by giving me a positive review on iTunes, by telling your other movie friends about it. Word of mouth is my friend. I really want to get some ears on this podcast. You like it, tell someone. And tell me what you'd like me to do to make it better. Uh, you can write me at rankingreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Also, check out the website at rankingreview.ca because I am Canadian. Thank you so much for supporting Ranking Review, and I hope you continue to do just that.